0: Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, leading people into the Christ-centered life. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca.
1: Well, we are glad you're here this morning, and I pray it is well with your soul, wherever you're at this morning, uh, in your faith journey, or in your life's journey as well. Now, at the church here, there's a lot of ministries going on, and we're going to highlight one specifically this morning. Uh, We have a ministry team called the Community Connections Team. And we're involved in different aspects in the community. Uh, We're part of the Youth Access Center. Uh, There's other things that go on as well. We help with the Pregnancy Counseling Center. And there's different avenues we're involved in the community. And that's one of the hearts of our church is to get involved in the community. And this morning, we get to hear from somebody that's involved in one of those ministries. So having said that, I'm going to call Maria Peters up. She's going to come on up here. And she is a part of the Community Connections Team. And she's involved in an awesome ministry. And I'm going to ask her to explain those things here. And she's excited to be here. A little nervous, she told me the other day. Uh, but she's, she's, she's really excited to be here, and we're grateful for that. So we're just going to do like a little interview. Why don't you move up here a little bit and uh, introduce yourself to Maria. Before I get anywhere, how long have you been attending the church? Uh, your family, kids' names, husbands, all that sort of thing.
0: Um, hi. <laughs> uh, so I'm Maria Peters. Um, Henry Peters is my better half. Um, Our kids are Brandon and Trista, um, and we've been attending for about six years.
1: Very good. Uh, In the conversations I've had with Maria, I've sensed her passion about a lot of things, and she's involved with a ministry called U-Turn, and it's a ministry that meets in the local school. So, Maria's just going to give us a quick background, how it started, and what U-Turn is all about.
0: Okay. So, um, probably about a year ago now, um, we were meeting um, uh, with our community connections team, um, and we were already involved at the um, Access Drop-In Center. And um, in our meeting, I had mentioned to the team that a dream for me um, and a passion of mine would be to get to do Bible study at the Access Center. Um, And then George Bergen had mentioned that um, Kyle Berard, the high school principal, um had already mentioned that he would be open to anyone wanting to come in to um, invest in the teens um so which was really exciting that that door is already open so <clears throat> um, George arranged a meeting between him uh, Kyle Barard and myself uh, so we got together and you know kind of talked about the details and stuff um and we ended up starting in February of 2016 and we did the whole um winter, spring semester there. Um, And then we started up again um, after summer break for, uh, in September. And we meet every Tuesday uh, for about an hour right after school at 2.30. I'm
1: so nervous. (laughs) You're doing awesome, you're doing great.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Um, Okay, so another part of working out the details to get to be there, I really wanna mention that I feel like I haven't really mentioned a lot before, and that is that my partner in crime <laughs> at the school with this ministry is uh, Mary Clausen. Um, she attends this church, and when George and I met with Kyle the first time to talk about you know all the details and stuff, he mentioned that because I'm not a staff member at the school, I would have to have a staff member sponsor me. So, you know, someone to kind of watch over and make sure I'm not gonna go crazy or whatever. Um, so, but Mary Clausen happens to be the, um, the secretary at the high school and so I had asked her if she'd be interested and you know she could maybe share it with some other staff members or whatever but she was like no way I want to do this right and so um, she's not just my sponsor she is totally in this her heart is is so for the youth uh, for the teens there Um, she's the one who who sees how many times a week the crisis team has to get called into the school for you know teens struggling with things uh, so her heart's in it she's she's with me all the way good.
1: now as you're involved with u-turn what are some of the uh, encouraging things that god is doing within this ministry
0: um so over the summer um i ended up doing some networking with the local youth pastors um, just kind of wanting them to take some ownership and be a part of it as well and um, just to represent some different churches and to kind of come together as a body of believers and um, what's been really, really encouraging is that um, so far we have nine different churches that are partnering with us. And so um, for you know the spring semester, the um, yeah the spring semester, it was mostly me doing, doing the lessons and stuff, which I love. But um, for the sake of you know doing the networking and stuff, so now in the fall we have had um, the youth pastors take turns and come in and do the lessons and it's been so amazing because they're bringing in their own students from their youth group and and um, all these students are getting to know different youth pastors in the community and, and that kind of thing, so that's been really encouraging. Very good.
1: Now with a ministry like this, there's probably some challenges that come up as well. Uh, you wanna mention a couple of those?
0: Yes, yeah, sure. Um, so one of the challenges, uh, the main challenge, has been um, kids that want to come and participate don't have rides home because they have to take the bus home. And so if they stay, their parents aren't available to come pick them up. So that's been the main challenge is for students who want to come and they're not able to.
1: Very good. Now outside of prayer, which we'll do in a minute for you, how can we as a church family, come alongside you in very practical ways to support you and the ministry of U-Turn?
0: Well, first of all, I guess I would say um, you could you could join me in this mission, or Mary and myself in this mission, and I'll just explain a little bit what our vision is for for U-Turn. So it's twofold. Uh, We wanna be in the school to support and encourage those who are already believers and are coming to the program. Um, But the ones that are coming to the program are not those who are necessarily in crisis, right? So we're there to support the ones that are coming, and then the second part of it is, we are encouraging them to do the reaching for us in the classrooms because I'm not allowed to go into every classroom, right? We're not there. So we're just encouraging them to take on the mission and to, um, to really just ask God to show them who in their classrooms is keeping to themselves or maybe doesn't have a friend, that kind of thing, and just befriend them. Just start with befriending them, starting a conversation, that kind of thing. So you can help us with sharing the vision that I've just described to your kids, to your teens that are attending the school, encouraging them to come. Um, And um, also, if you have teens that are attending and they have friends who don't have rides home and they wanna come, you know, maybe you can partner up and uh, do some carpooling and stuff, giving rides to kids that don't have rides. Um, Also, we are hoping to, um, in the spring, or in the uh, fall or winter semester, we're hoping to do Um, some pancake days. Nice. I'll be there. Which was your idea. Uh, Which is really cool. So then there would be opportunity to help make pancakes and and serve and that kind of thing. So that would be helpful. Now
1: remind us again of the school that you're at. Uh,
0: So we're at the Leamington High School um, right after class. Yeah.
1: Very good. You know it's so fantastic to hear about what God is doing. Uh, You think about the favor uh, that they have at this school because a lot of schools across Canada are not allowing Christian clubs to meet together at all. Uh, you're not allowed to even talk about Jesus. And this is really exciting. And to hear about the support from all the churches locally, that's pretty exciting too. So I hope this inspires you to hear what God is doing in and through Maria and other people as well in our community uh, because it's really important for us to really dive into the community, build God's kingdom in very practical and real ways. So we're going to pray for Maria, and we'll go from there. Father, thank you for Maria. Uh, Thank you for the work she does. Thank you for the school and the favor we have there. And I pray, Jesus, that you'd use this ministry Uh, to help students understand who you are and also in very practical ways with students that are going through tough times at home with family and friends and i pray jesus that you turner be a place where folks can come and feel encouraged and it's a place of safety uh, that lord uh, your message would move and i thank you that uh, the school is allowing this to happen and i pray it'd be a trickle-down effect that the staff there would continue to be impacted as well Thank you for these youth pastors who come together to encourage Maria as well and give them lots of wisdom as they dive into lessons and trying to figure out how to reach students for your gospel, Lord. So I pray for Maria and her family. Thank you for that she's decided to dive all in. And I pray that's an example and a testimony to us. I pray you balance her schedule. She's involved with a lot of things right now. I give her courage and strength. Thank you for her faithfulness uh, to serve you. And to step out like this because it takes courage, Lord, to do this. And uh, it's not easy. So thank you for uh, just how you're moving. And we're grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Maria. And if you get a chance, if you got any questions for Maria after service, you know, I encourage you to talk to her. Well, this morning, we are going to talk about a story that uh, may a few of you have heard before, but it might be new for some of you as well. It's about Peter and the disciples uh, when they're in the boat uh, in the water, uh, in the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus decides to pay them a visit. And uh, the title of our sermon today is called Man Overboard, because that's exactly what takes place. So if you have your Bibles, I'll be in Matthew 14 this morning. If you want to turn there or turn on your device, whatever it is, or, and join me there. Now, as we dive in, the background of the story is very simple. Jesus is at the northwestern shore of the Sea of Galilee. It's late in the day. And Jesus has just performed a great miracle of feeding 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. So after dismissing the crowd, he sends the disciples to go ahead of him on the other side of the lake and telling them that he would meet them there later. And this is where we read on. It says this in Matthew, 20, Matthew 14. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them... He went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. So here's Jesus. He just dove into a very busy ministry time. And his normal pattern usually is when he's done that. He goes to the mountainside to go somewhere to pray and to reconnect with the Father. It's a great example for us as well. Now, as we think of the disciples, okay, they're in this boat. They begin to sail across the lake, and a huge storm brews up. Okay? And it's a really big storm. The Gospels actually tell us that, The storm probably began around 8 p.m. and continued into the evening, late into the evening. Now, the Sea of Galilee is nestled in some mountains, and and storms do happen there quite often, but they typically go very quickly as well. But this particular storm stayed on for a long time. So they've been at this for a while. They're in the boat. They're stuck in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. They're tired. They're probably drenched to the bone. They're probably cold. They're just exhausted. And we continue to read and what the Bible says. And there's a storm. You picture that. The disciples are there. The storms are raging. You've seen storms. We saw a storm this past summer here in Leamington that scared me. Uh, It really did. It was frightening. The thunder here in Leamington is very different than Alberta. The Alberta thunder, you kind of hear it grumbling, but here it's got this roar about it. And it's like, what was that? And it's kind of frightening. The first time I heard it, I thought somebody was dragging a. A container, a steel container down our road. But it was the thunder, so it frightened me. So as we think about these disciples in this storm, it's a big storm. It's going on for a long time. They're tired, and this is what the Bible says. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. So somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., Jesus' eyes to take a midnight stroll on the Sea of Galilee in the middle of a storm. And as you think about this as well, I want to remind you of this. This is not a parable. This actually happened. This is Jesus, the Son of God, and he decides to do this. So let's remember that that as this storm is happening, Jesus decides to go for a walk amongst the rolling waves. I don't know how he did it, but what I do recognize is that he has the power over all supernatural things. And he decides to do what he wants to do, and that's exactly what he did. So here it is. The disciples are in the boat. Jesus is walking around, and they see him from a distance. And they yell, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. Now, at that point, you might be thinking, wow, how could they not see it was Jesus? Now, let's remind ourselves, too. They are tired. They are deadly tired. The wind is howling. The rain is pelting at every angle, and they're feeling waterlogged, and they see a ghost. Now, if you're in that position, and you're feeling the way you are physically, what would you think as well? I think maybe I think it was a ghost as well because in my mind, I'm not thinking, I wonder where Jesus is. Oh, maybe he's going for a walk on the Sea of Galilee in the middle of a storm. I'm not thinking that. So here's this person walking in the water and I don't know what's going on. The first reaction we see is they see a ghost and they are frightened and they are terrified as to what's going on. But then Jesus says to them, take courage in I. Do not be afraid, Lord And take courage to not be afraid. And I love that. He says to them straight up in the middle of the storm, relax. I got this. I'm with you. You don't need to worry about it. And then he goes on to say, I love this. This is Peter's reaction. And Peter says, Lord, if that's you, if that's actually you, call me down out of the boat and let me come out of the water towards you. And that's exactly what happens. Now, what's cool about this is this. Peter has this reaction to say, That's Jesus, I'm going to go see him. But he doesn't jump into the water right away. He waits to see what's going to happen. And Jesus decides to say, it is me, it is I. And what's awesome about this verse is this. What Jesus says is this. He says, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Now he uses that expression uh, so the disciples would understand something. What Jesus is doing, he's referring to a phrase in the Old Testament that talks about, I am, And that's the Greek version of Jesus saying, I am. And so the disciples at that point recognize the Old Testament teaching and Jesus saying, He is. He is the mighty. He's when you created all things. He's creating the Old Testament to whoever He is that moment. And He's saying to them, I created all these things. Don't worry. I'm with you. I am the God of the universe. I actually created these winds and this storm so you can be okay. And that's a great reminder. And the disciples would have known that as well. Even in the midst of this chaotic storm, they would have recognized that Jesus is saying, be calm, I am. I love that. I love that. Now, when Jesus says to Peter, come, and that's what he does. He says to Peter, come. And, and what's amazing about that is if you think about Jesus in your life. If he's asking you to come, you better go. If he's asking me to do something, you better go. And that's what Peter does. He waits for Jesus to say to him, come. And that's what Peter does. Now remember this, they are in the middle of a storm. There's a lot going on. The waves are crashing, there's lightning, there's thunder, there's a lot of commotion that's going on. And we need to remember that. The, the, when Jesus shows up at that time, the wind doesn't die down, it continues to howl. And that's what life can be like too, doesn't it? Life happens that way. There are storms around us in the middle of it And we're distracted by different things. But in it is the storm of life. And we we don't know what to do at times. We have no control over these storms of when they're going to come and how often they're going to come. Because you know this as much as I do. Life happens. And life can change on a dime. You can wake up this morning feeling great about the day. But something might happen later on today. A phone call might occur. And suddenly there's a storm in your life. And we forget that life does happen, but it absolutely does. Now, what I love about the story is as he's out there and and when Peter sees a storm and he sees the wind and he cries at the Lord, save me, because he's so distracted by what's going on instead of keeping his eyes on Christ. And that's what happens to me in my life at times as well. I forget that in the middle of the storm, I've got to keep my eyes on Jesus. As we think about this idea that he's doing this and and he's saying, I'm sinking, Lord, save me, save me. Now think about it for a second. Here's Peter on the water, and he realizes there's a huge storm here. There's lightning, there's thunder, but I'm just a fisherman. I know nothing, and I'm on the Sea of Galilee walking on water. What is going on at this moment? And he realizes in his head he's just an ordinary guy, and he's walking on the water, but all of a sudden he starts to sink. And immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Now, I love that this conversation took place in the middle of a big storm. Peter is wet. Peter is scared. Uh, He's holding on for dear life as he reaches out for Jesus to say, save me. Save me, Lord Jesus. I'm sinking. I'm drowning. Now, what's interesting about this and what My favorite part of the story of the scripture is this, that as Jesus got out of the boat, and as he walked, or as Peter got out of the boat, he walked in the water towards Jesus in the midst of the storm. Let's remember this, folks. There's 11 other people in the boat decided to sit there and do nothing. Now, you might say, well, maybe eventually they would get out of the boat and go out to Jesus. But Peter decides, you know what? You guys are sitting here, and it's stormy and it's scary. I can just confirm that's Jesus. He told me to come. I'm going to get out of the boat and go meet him, even though it's pretty scary. And he decides to do that. And while the other people are watching, and here's Jesus and Peter having this conversation in the middle of this wicked storm. And that's what life is like at times as well, that in the midst of this chaos in our life, Jesus is with us. He's walking with us. He's he's having a conversation with us. And we don't need to be in fear. And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Now, remember, the storm did not die till after Jesus got into the boat. It was still raging. And let's remind ourselves what they said earlier. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out. That was at the beginning. When they saw this figure on the water, who is that? They thought it was a ghost. Now, what's awesome about that are a couple things. They thought it was a ghost, but as Jesus got closer, they realized who he was. And Peter asked the question, Lord, if that's you. When I think about that particular part of the story, I think about if I saw Jesus walk into this room or on the Sea of Galilee, would I recognize him for who he is? And would he recognize you? Would he know who you are? Would he say, Mesh, that's you? He absolutely would know that. But as we think about our life and our faith with Christ— as we think about seeing Jesus, do you see Jesus as a ghost? Do you understand who Jesus is in your life? We must be so familiar with Jesus that we know him in the most deep and the most personal way possible. And that happens through a personal relationship with Jesus. You know what's interesting about this as Jesus is called a ghost by his disciples. And I was thinking about this as I was reading through this, going, Jesus at one point at any given time could have said, you call me a ghost, I'm out of here. He could have taken it personally, but he didn't. He decided to continue to engage with them and reminded them that, make no mistake about it, I am Jesus. I am Jesus. So as we think about this morning, and we think about recognizing who Christ is in your life, would you recognize Jesus if you walked into this room? Would you notice who he is? And I think it's important to ask ourselves these kind of questions. You know, as you come this morning to church today, how is your relationship with Christ? What does it look like for you to follow Jesus? Do you know Christ? Is he your Savior? See, some of us have been on the journey of faith for a long time. And it's easy to get caught up in the the motions of faith. We come to church, we say and do the right things. But in our heart of hearts, we are disconnected from God, we are far from God. So, my question is how is your relationship with Jesus? Are you fired up about being a follower of Christ? Is He a priority in your life? Do you recognize who Jesus is in your life? And if you don't know Him today, if you've never given your life to Christ as your Savior, what's holding you back? Because Christ is saying, in the midst of storms, in the midst of any life that happens, I am there with you. I can walk with you. I can make your life better. It doesn't mean your life will be perfect, it doesn't mean your life will be far from problems. But he will give you joy and a peace you've never experienced before. And if you come this morning and you're just hanging on to the threads of faith. Because I know some of you are. And you're waiting for a moment to walk away to say, I've had enough. I've had enough of the church. I've had enough of people. I've had enough of Jesus. Because he doesn't show up in my life when I want him to show up. Or when something bad happens, where is Jesus? I want to remind you of this. As he was with Peter in that storm, he is with you in your life as well. In those moments where you don't know what's going to happen, God is walking with you in the midst of all the noise and all the chaos. And so do you know Christ? Is he your Savior? The Bible says this, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. You know, how can we move from seeing Jesus just as a great man, but the one who could truly change our lives? How can we think about how we spend time with him? Now, I simplify that because you know what, friends? Knowing Christ boils down to one simple thing, is spending time with him. See, in order to get to know my kids and my family, I got to spend time with them. If I don't spend time with them, there'll be a distance between us. And that's where it begins. Too often in our lives, we don't look to Jesus first, we look to him later. We rely so much on our skills and our wisdom, our positions, our titles, our connections, instead of connecting with the Son of God. See, like I said, the storm doesn't calm down until Jesus gets back to the boat. And the whole experience of Peter walking on the boat, out of the boat, happened in the middle of a storm. And sometimes we think that, These problems need to be removed before Jesus shows up. And he's saying, no, let me remind you, I am with you in the middle of the storm. He is walking with you. And that's where true faith comes in. we got to understand. We need to stick it out. See, what I like about the story is Peter got out of the boat. He decided to do something about it. And there's other people in the boat that are watching. So let's not be too hard on Peter as he takes his eyes off of Jesus. Because often I have done that in my life as well. And there are times where... I understand that. As I think about Peter, I give Peter credit. Peter was the guy that often put his foot in his mouth. He would say things that weren't necessarily appropriate. He wouldn't think necessarily before he spoke. I can relate to that. I understand that. And as we think about that in our life, we understand. Give Peter credit. And Jesus did not rebuke Peter for getting out of the boat. In fact, Jesus basically said, Peter, if you kept your eyes on me, We could have walked across the Atlantic Ocean. And that's the power of who Christ is. And as we think about that, do you fix your eyes on Christ? In the middle of a storm, do you hear your eyes beckoned on who Jesus is? Or do you try to fill your life with other things that you think will fill the gap? And then we come back to Jesus after the fact. See, I believe it starts here. I absolutely believe that. Because it will center us to realize that our strength And wisdom only can come from Christ. Yes, there's people in our lives that can help us. There's doctors in our lives that can help us. I get that. I understand that. But we need to point to Jesus and ask him for clarity and for wisdom as we think about storms that come up. And as you think about Peter and you think about that story and where they were at. Now, they were on a sea of Galilee. Now, when you think of a storm, if you've seen a storm in the water, there tends to be a lot of waves crashing back and forth, all around us. And these waves come in many different sizes. Some are small, some are big. And, but they can rock us. And especially if you don't see it coming. And even the big ones, when you see them coming, they can knock us off our you, can't they? Now, as we think about keeping our eyes on Christ, we're going to do something a little different right now. And some of you might be getting all nervous, might shake you up a little bit, but that's all right. So I want you to do I want you to turn around to a couple people around you, huddle up really quick for a couple of minutes, I wanna ask you this question as you talk about it with the people beside you. What are the waves in our lives that distract us from Jesus? What are those waves that knock us down and keep us from not focusing and keeping our eyes on Christ? So, church, MB Church, we're gonna stretch you a little bit this morning. I want you to turn around, talk to somebody really quick about this question, and we'll engage back in a second. Let's get at it, let's do it. Really quick. Give you another minute, one more minute. (laughs) All right, folks. We're going to bring you back. It's good that you're chattering and you're talking. Now you can carry this over after service as well. I wanted to kind of get you guys involved this morning. Now, let's continue on. Really quickly, just a one-word answer. Somebody shout out what you came up with in your little discussion. What are the waves that distract us from Jesus? Give me something. I need a witness. Work. Work. Kids, electronics. Electronics. Fear. Fear. Pardon? Tired. Tired. Hobbies. Illness. Illness. Couple more. Lack of focus. Lack of focus. Life, in general. life in general. Amen. Political unrest. Pardon me? Political unrest. Political unrest. Be happy. Be happy. <laughs> you know, friends, those are small things you talked about but have huge consequences in our life, don't they? And these waves come and they can knock us down. And they can keep us distracted on who Jesus is. And I commend you for engaging like that and to think about these questions as well. And I'm really vulnerable with you right now. I have waves in my life. There are things that cause me to lose distraction on who Christ is. And I've been going through a journey in my life. And I've always been a guy who's very open, teachable, coachable. And I'm going through a process of just looking at my life. And I've always been always doing that. And the last, I would say, three or four months, I've learned something about myself. I'm going to share this with you. And this is one of the waves that keeps me distracted from Christ. And sometimes I, I walk away and think, is there hope in this? And there is, because of who Jesus is. You know, there are times in my life, and I'm learning this recently about myself, and I'm just going to throw it out there for you. When I do my ministry, when I work, whether it's with family or friends or people here, uh, I really like to hear feedback. I like it when people say, Thank you, Mesh, for doing that. I don't look for applause or accolades. Oh, Mesh, you're amazing. I'm not talking about that at all. Because I know that all glory goes to Christ. And we can say those things absolutely, and I believe that wholeheartedly. And sometimes we can spiritualize it to a point where we forget that we are human beings and that we're in this together. And oftentimes we forget that we're in this together. And sometimes we do this thing where we say, well, that was all Jesus who did that. I don't need any glory. Of course we don't need any glory. That's a given. But I will say this. There are times in my life, I'm learning this about myself recently, that I like it when people say, thank you, well done. Not because I'm trying to make myself look good, but to feel appreciated. And I'm going to say that to you today because I want to be honest about who I am as a leader and as a pastor. I'm not perfect. But what's awesome about this, it helps me focus on Christ. To give me the strength. Now there are some of you as I said that can resonate with that thought. And I know we're part of an MB church. And I'm learning about the MB culture. And the heritage of this church. And the culture is work hard. Do what you got to do. Plow the ground. Good enough. You know that's all good. However I will say this. We need to create a culture. And an understanding that we're in this together. And we say thank you. And we say, well done. And we give Jesus all the glory. That's a given. But it's okay to say, that was really good. Well done. And you know what a response would simply be? Thank you. I appreciate that. And so as I share that with you, I don't want you to come up to me after and give me big hugs or anything like that. <laughs> That's what, what I'm saying. I share that because there are some of us folks that feel that way and feel other things as well. Maybe you've been doing so much stuff in our church over the years and other parts of your life, and no one's ever said thank you to you. Thank you for serving. Thank you for diving in with the blood, sweat, and tears that you do that we don't even see. And I want to say thank you to you, and I mean that. So if you've seen people in your life that have done some really cool things, whether it's in the context of this church or outside, say thank you. Tell them specifically what they did. There's nothing wrong with that. We are called to build up the body. All glory to Jesus. And I believe it warms God's heart when we come together and we encourage one another. The Bible says we should encourage one another. So as I share that with you, I I hope and pray you're able to be honest about some of the things that you're going through, where you're at, and find a place of safety where you can share those things. Those are the waves that can distract us. But in those waves, God teaches us as well. And he challenges us and he encourages us. to. On the other side of the storm, we'll become deeper and a little more chisels in our heart and stronger for it. Now, as we wrap this up, I'm going to call the worship team up in a second. As we think about the big idea of this sermon, and this sermon has been taught a lot of times in different aspects, and different contexts, but the question I have for you simply is this. Is Jesus calling you to get out of the boat? And What does that mean for you? It could mean you need to get out to share the gospel. It could mean that you need to make a decision for Christ and say, here I am, Lord, take me. He could be saying, I need you to do something radical for his kingdom. He's saying, it's time to get out of the boat and forget the other 11 that are going to be spectators and that are sitting there. I want you to forget about them. I want you to get out of the boat. I want you to keep your eyes on Jesus and let me show you what I can do in and through you. See, it's easy at times in the church, as Christ followers, to be spectators. Our pews are made that way to a certain degree. And we spectate what God is doing in around us. And I'm encouraging you today, I'm encouraging myself today to step out of the boat, to trust in faith, to say, Jesus has got you. And when you're afraid and you feel like you're sinking, you can reach out your hand. And guess who will save you? Jesus will save you. But will you follow through on what God's calling you to do? To get out of the boat so God can get the glory. So you can be stretched in your relationship with Christ and do something radical, radical for you. It doesn't be radical for somebody else. It has to be radical for you. Maybe some of you students that are here today or other parents are thinking about, you know what, maybe God's calling me to start a campus group like U-Turn. I'm not sure. What I'm simply saying is this. As Peter got out of the boat with the storm all around him and he decided to keep his eyes on Christ, be Peter and get out of the boat. And let's see what God can do with you individually and what God can do in and through this church as we build his kingdom together. Let's pray. Lord, I, I confess to you that there are times where I focus on the circumstance around me, I focus on the storm. And I pray, Jesus, that you would show us with your mighty power, that you control all of that, and that you remind us today of your power, that you remind us of the strength you give us when we decide to get out of the boat. And so, Lord, as we come this morning, I pray today that we would be a church that decides to step out of the boat in such a way that when those waves come, when they come crashing in, we'll be shielded because of your faith because of who you are through your Holy Spirit. And that when the waves come, we would not grow weary or tired. We would stay focused on you. So Father, I pray for those this morning that are going through it right now, that are in it, that the waves are crashing and they're losing hope. I pray you bring encouragement through your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you love us, that you're with us. And I pray as we think about getting out of the boat in real and practical ways, show us and I pray, God, that you'd give us the strength for what lies ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as we think about this idea of getting out of the boat, see, the boat's safe. We're not gonna know if we're gonna drown or sink unless we get out of the boat. As we think about this week for your life and where God has engaged you, wherever you're doing, whatever you're doing, remember, when you step out of that boat, keep your eyes on Christ, and he will lead you, he will guide you, he'll you the strength you need. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that as we dive into this week, that you would guide us. Give us strength. Help us not to be distracted. And God, help us to have our eyes fixed on you. Thank you that you are who you say you are. Thank you that it hasn't changed. I thank you that you control storms, that you control our lives, that you guide us, you give us what we need. And I pray again today for those who are just hanging on. God, I pray you would encourage them through your Holy Spirit. Thank you for this church. Thank you for how folks dive in to build your kingdom. And God, as we think about being in the boat together, I pray that we would all be able to walk out of the boat and to see you do some incredible things. People getting saved, church growing in many ways, people getting discipled, people getting baptized. And Lord, we pray that Leamington itself would be changed because of your spirit. And we'd see your spirit move in such a way. that God this town, this region, will be taken back for your kingdom. We love you, Jesus, and we're grateful for dying on the cross, for raising again from the dead, and that you're coming back one day. In the strong name of Christ, amen. If you come this morning and need to pray or talk about anything, a few of us will be available. Have a great week.